0: Welcome to the quick hitter version of the Mike Wise Show. Our featured discussion this week is with Monica McNutt and King McClure, the co-hosts of Buckets, Boards, and Blocks here at Pure Hoops Media. And we'll talk, among other things, how the WNBA paved the way for the NBA and their social justice stand. You know, Monica, you're you're really close to a lot of the WNBA players. You know, the players have been politically active for many years, people forget, starting with Minnesota Lynx players um, uh, and the reaction to the killing of Philando Castile back in 2016 and -hmm. this week the Mystics wore t-shirts that spelled out Jacob Blake's name with seven symbolic bullet holes on the back future hall of famer Maya Moore actually stopped playing because of her crusade to clear the name of Jonathan Irons Irons who was wrongfully convicted of a crime you know leadership like this has to be really inspirational to you I mean just seeing them locking
1: arms yesterday I got I got emotional because I knew some of those women 100%. a hundred percent I mean, I texted with my teammate earlier that morning just to check on her after the games have been canceled, and she's like, there's so much going on. So when they go on SportsCenter Center around in the noon hour, I believe, and the whole league is unified together, I'm like, "Oh, this is what she meant that was happening." But again, like, black women are just amazing. no bias that I'm a black woman, but we are. Um, and in so many ways, we've been at argue. Four- <laughs> Right. I mean, we've been at the forefront of these movements. Throughout history, right. I, this morning as I'm reading and we're preparing to celebrate the March on Washington, Brittany Pagliari-Cunningham, who's been terrific since her rise in the Mike Brown killings um, from Ferguson, and she's one of, of the great thinkers and leaders that we get a chance to hear, see and hear from on television, but she pointed out, even down to the iconic We Have a Dream speech, Mahalia Jackson played a critical role in that even being delivered. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so yeah. I kept saying to people last night that wanted to challenge me on respecting the players in terms of returning, we can't forget the place that money plays in this thing right aretha franklin toured opera did her thing huge star throughout the civil rights movement she wasn't ever protesting but she used her money to bail out activists repeated mm-hmm. right so we can't ignore the part that money plays in this and so mm-hmm. even if the nba decides to return those athletes are ones that put their dollars where they matter and as far as the WNBA is concerned quite honestly mike and i don't think that this is hyperbolic to say I don't know that the NBA is where they are if the WNBA did not start laying the framework as a unified league, right? To have an entire team in the Minnesota Lynx where I can't breathe church following Philando Castile for them to catch hatred from the police department in Minnesota who decided they would no longer provide security at their games. Right. Sasha Cloud here in DC to decide that she's not taking any other questions outside of dealing with the gun violence that was plaguing, Southeast D.C. elementary schools and her teammates also, not to take any other questions. Um, calling out members of the mayor's office. Exactly. For, for their inaction. I exactly. Mean, uh, she was incredible. Um, I know that the WMBA platform is smaller by comparison, but... The relationships that we're seeing between the two leagues are real and sincere. Kyrie offering a million dollars of his own money to help sustain WNBA players that are unable to play this year. Right. Uh, Neka Agumake and the WNBA social council working closely with Chris Paul. I know for a fact, Sig Colson and those women were on the same call that Michelle Obama joined the men on when we got to the restart in July. Um, So I think. The WNBA has been silently about this business, as we say, Mm. and, they, while I don't know, I, Chris Paul and Kyrie, those guys are great. I think they would give credit, but subliminally, like women have always been at the forefront of this thing. And I don't know that we get such a grand stand without the WNBA starting to light the fire.
0: Yeah. I completely agree with you. I, um, there's yeah, – there's this is like the mutual admiration society today. We can't even, like, go back and forth and <laughs> chop it up over LeBron or Michael. Who's the best? You know, let's have another Superma- Superman versus Mighty Mouse argument. Um, I do know that one of the greatest players to come out of Dallas, Texas, was King McClure. <laughs> and I am going to give him props that, while he did not he, – he didn't go crazy with the numbers at Baylor. He significantly got better every year. His minutes increased, his field goal percent. He just became a better player. I'm thinking – I've been to Waco, Texas. Right. I know there's a lot of African-American athletes down there um, because of the school, but it still seems like a very white community. Was that real different from you going from Dallas to Waco? And did you ever have any experiences that really made you think ill of just, you know, God, what, why does this person feel this way about me? Or did you even deal with any of that down there?
2: Yeah, so kind of like, kind of the opposite of Monica. From kindergarten through uh, ninth grade, no, mm-hmm. kindergarten to eighth grade, I grew up in private school, like, like white, predominantly white schools. So I was around white people uh, mm-hmm. my whole first, you know, elementary school up until middle school. Then high school, I went to a predominantly black uh, high school. My parents just Complete. I just threw me in the hood. <laughs> what was <laughs> that mom? about? What Was that they they just <laughs> decided? Oh, you got to,
0: you you suburban soft ass white kids. We gotta we gotta get you tough.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean I, that's what it was. I was too soft. Like my 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 pop said it just like that. Like look, <laughs> you you a little too soft for me. Like we are gonna have to toughen you up a little bit. Threw me <laughs> to the middle of the hood, and uh, it was like complete culture shock. And I mean growing up, that's why I was so. It's seeing these times right now is it's kind of hard, like, it's kind of different for me because growing up, I never really experienced racism like that, mm-hmm. like I never really saw it because I was around white people, so the white people so that I So you got knew, it right, oh, so, okay, all right, so you're yeah. right. They're, the white people that I knew, they weren't like, they weren't racist, they always yeah. accepted me, embraced me, and if they were, I didn't see it because I was so young, but I went to, from private school up until then on the hood, then I went from that to Baylor, and then that's all white, except the athletes. <laughs> so uh, that's another complete culture shock. And, you know, I've had a few experiences, um, just like small things like uh, not being led into parties because, you know, we're black and- um, In college? Yeah, in co- which is crazy. You would think that they want the basketball players there. Right. But I pull up, they let my, my, my roommate, Jake Lindsey, who was a, white, a white, uh, white basketball player, let him, he's yeah. already in the party. And we're sitting outside, it's me and a Hispanic, one of our managers, and another player. And um, they're not they're saying, we, you know, we had wristbands for the party and everything because one of their other dudes let us get wristbands because they wanted us there. So I'm like, all right, cool. So they're letting people in, letting other white people in, but they're telling me, you know, we're overcapacity. We, we can't let you in. I'm like, bro, but you're sitting there letting other people in. And they, like, I'm talking about like 10, 20, 30, yeah. 40 people walking in. And I'm sitting there watching this. I'm like, bro, call it what it is. Like, this is racist. Like, you don't want me in there because I'm black. And there's right. no party. And he was like, no, it's not like that. He's like, bro, just leave. I was like, bro, I mean, me, I'm, I'm a little, I'm not crazy, nothing like that, but I, I, I'm about it. Like, if it, if it comes down to it, like, I'm, I'm gonna call it for what it is. Oh, like, I,
0: could see, I could see if some of the <laughs> wrong guests came on with you guys. I could see you throwing down on behalf of Monica. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but so, I mean, that's, 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 how, that's how I am, like, so I, and then I called Jake, my <laughs> white teammate, and I told him what was going on, and Jake was ready, and I think that's when I, that's when I gained the utmost respect for Jake, is when mm. he came out there like, well, y'all are being racist, like, look, we gonna handle this. If
0: you'd like to hear more from Monica and King, check out the full version of the Mike Wise Show from Pure Hoops Media.